Give me a second to get set up here. Turning our Bibles to First uh, John. <laughs> May the warmth of the Holy Spirit fill you today. Anybody else agree with me? All right, we're working on it. We're working on it. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> wow. How's it look? <laughs> There's a couple more over there. You go 20% in your tide this week, you can use one. Hey. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're excited you're here today. It's going to be a fun time. Somebody took a longer time with communion than they should have, so um, there's a running joke around here. Anytime I say I'll be done early, the staff likes to laugh at me. So yesterday we had school of ministry here, and, and uh, I went into it, and I even told the students, I said, guys, we're going to be done early. We'll be out of here like right after lunch. It was supposed to go till 3 o'clock. And uh, kind of had a competition. There was two classes going on. So I was teaching one. Our locust pastor was teaching another. And I'm telling him, we'll be done before you, man. We'll be out of here. You know, we're going to be done. And then I got done early at 2.52. <laughs> we started talking about church business meetings and stuff. And I was like, man, you know, I like talking about this stuff. And anyway, has nothing to do with what we're doing today. Here we go. Ready? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Bless our time today. Show us something in your spirit. Thank you, for Lord, for the people that have uh, made a decision to be here today in worship. Pray, God, that you would change us from the inside out. We ask all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Greater life, greater love. 1 John chapter 3. We're in these Letters of Love series, the Epistles of John, and I like to kind of revisit every week that even though the, the, the topic and the sermon title and the series is Letters of Love, it's a little misleading because while it is all about love, it's this tough love that we find in Scripture that, you know, it's not this happy-feely type of love, you know, a, a bouquet of flowers or a weekend away. It's this, it's real biblical love. And biblical love is pretty clearly defined. And as we have already walked through 1 John, we find that there is an expectation on us that if we love God, then we will follow these things. We will love one another. We will keep the commandments of the Lord Jesus. We will actually do something that displays our love for the Lord. And John, who at the time of writing this epistle, this letter, was around 100 years old. So his filter was gone. He said what he meant under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He called people liars if they said, you, you, you follow God, but you don't keep his commandments, or you follow God and you don't love your brother and your sister. You are a liar, man. Straight up. I like to think of the Apostle John as uh, growing up around church, being a PK myself. My dad was a very wise man, and he pastored for many years. 
And he had, uh, I had seen on occasion that he would bring in evangelists to tell the people <laughs> what he wanted to tell them, but he wanted to go to work on Monday too and still be the good guy, you know? So it was a good cop, bad cop mentality. And so what you're, what you're blessed to have in me is I'm just going to say it. All right? Because if the Apostle John can say it and it's written in here, and my dad, in his later years, the filter became less and less, and the truth became more and more and more. And sometimes the people would get ruffled and restless and, nah! One of those kinds of messages. You know, I went to a Church of God um, Bible college for a year. And I <laughs> uh, was in the teaching um, it's called homiletics. It's how to preach kind of class. And so it would go around and everybody would come up and at the end of the semester we would all come up and do our own sermons and, and everybody had on different style and different things like that. But, but what I learned is that there is a style that one of my buddies who grew up in the country, old farm fella, walked in there and his overalls on that day yelled at us for 45 minutes. It was exhausting. I don't remember anything he said, but it was loud. And friend, you need to know this was in a classroom of 10 hoping to be preachers. But according to him, we were all standing on the edge of hell. <laughs> I'd like to say... I felt convicted, but I just felt tired after all that. Tired. So I won't yell unless I want to. But the goal today, at least, is that we read the text a little slower than normal and allow the Holy Spirit to show us what it really says. My introduction today is like this. Our journey today is to Remind us that we are children of God, who God loves and loves us such a way that we've been adopted into the family and we now are children. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. If we've chosen to follow Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of our life, we are children of the Most High God. And there's a, there's a lot that goes with that, right? But at the end of our time together, we're going to be reminded that we have to love our siblings. <laughs> How many of you guys grew up with siblings? I had three, and we all made it. God bless you, Mom. All four of us are still here. It's the funniest thing that you have this sibling rivalry, and in your younger years, at least in most cases, you just literally, I don't know how to describe it, hate each other. Um, <laughs> but in the same sense, when you begin to enter into adulthood, they're your closest friends, right? And so there's hope for you parents out there that are having to still put children on opposite sides of the room before they destroy your home because there is something that a love for family that we should have. These letters were written to church folk, Christians, believers, 
And there's something about that, that we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And John says it straight up. If you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't love God. Right? Let's do it. First of all, let's start with chapter 3, verse 1. I believe all this stuff will come up on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'll read the entire text and then I'll go into the points and I may change my mind midstream, but here we go. See how very much our Father loves us for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. There is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice, say practice, of sinning because God's life is in them. So they keep on, so they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Pretty straightforward, right? Number one, practice does not make perfect. Those who practice Sin, make a decision to stay in that sin. It's the picture of someone making a, a decision to get ready with their friends to go out and party. They know that the scripture says don't be drunk with wine because it leads to debauchery. They know that they're going to get into all kinds of promiscuous relationships and all that. They know that all of this is going to lead to bad. And yet, get ready. God, keep me from sinning. I'm getting ready to go jump into it. <gasps> I sinned. And yet, every Friday night, big surprise. Every Saturday night, big surprise. You're back at the club. And you're surprised. Why am I not growing in the Lord? Because when you live in God's house, you follow his rules. I mean, you guys have used that one before on your own kids. But it's true. In order to be considered children of God, you come in line with God's plan for your life, which is to run from sin. 
Practice does not make perfect. The world will tell you that you can receive the cross and everything that goes with it and salvation and not change your life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There has got to be a change. Purity on your note sheet motivated by expectancy. When we really in our hearts and in our lives believe that Jesus could show up at any minute, that the rapture, that we're going to be called to heaven, that at any minute Jesus can return, it may change the way we act. Do I want Jesus to come back when I'm doing this? Do, 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 will it help me make decisions to avoid this and avoid that because I know Jesus can return at any minute? Do I want to be in disharmony and in bitterness with my, with my spouse? Do I want to be at odds with my brother and sister in Christ because I know Jesus can come back at any minute? No, purity is motivated by our expectancy. At Greater Life, we believe in something called pre-trib. In other words, I believe that the rapture of the church, according to 2 Thessalonians and many other scriptures, I don't have time to get into it, in many of our scriptures, I believe that we will be caught up into the air, as 2 Thessalonians lays out, to be with him before the tribulation begins. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. I'm going on the first bus. You can come later if you want. <laughs> you know what? When, when you hear the trumpet, you know what? I believe it's going to happen in the middle, so I'm just going to hang out for three and a half years or se- Seven years, whatever the case may be. I believe in pre-trib, and you know what? The main reason I believe it is because nothing has to happen. If you believe mid-trib or post-trib or some kind of other eschatology, then what you're saying is something has to happen in our world before Jesus can come back. And I don't believe our world controls when Jesus comes back. I believe he comes back when the Father sends him. But St. Augustine said, listen, I want you to understand this. St. Augustine said, in essentials, there is unity. So we believe that Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, there is unity, friend. In non-essentials, there is liberty. If you believe mid-trib, post-trib, I love you. You can still come be a part of this. We won't let you teach eschatology class, but that's okay. And in all things, love. I also believe that we are, we are going to be caught up before the tribulation because we got stuff to do. Purity motivated by expectancy. The things we get to do during the tribulation, marriage, supper with the lamb. You ever ask the question or you ever wonder, do we get to eat in heaven? Yes. What else are you going to do at supper? And guess what? It's gluten-free, dairy-free, calorie-free, and fat-free. Somebody's getting excited about that. Oh, Lord. That feeling that I get at 11 o'clock at night after my fourth bowl of ice cream, that, oh, yeah, I should have stopped at three and a half. I don't have to worry about that no more. The second thing we get to do is it's called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. You and I as believers get to come before Jesus and that's when he will say, well done, and he will also say, here's your reward, walk ye in it. 
Revelation talks about the crowns that we'll get in heaven, the reward we'll get in heaven. I go to prepare a place for you, and we joke about my mansion and your mansion, but the fact is, a mansion is better than anything we got on this side. Amen? I believe I'll have the best jacuzzi that money can buy in my mansion in glory. We also have to get ready because we will come back with Jesus at the end of the tribulation. At the battle of Armageddon, the Bible tells us that Jesus will come and the saints will be with him. And we'll watch him win once and for all. So I'm going to need some time to get that armor fitting just right and to be ready to come back for the battle. Even though I know I'm not going to swing my fist or sword or anything, I'm just going to watch him take care of business. Secondly, our note sheets, mistakes versus lifestyle. Mistakes versus lifestyle. This talks about practice. In a society that is often confused on the principle and the truth surrounding the Christian, Christian walk, it's important we understand this. That while we all make mistakes and we all face temptation, and yes, sometimes we even give in to temptation, we still have to run to the cross for forgiveness and to have an attitude and a humility of repentance. The moment that we say, I'm okay doing this sin, God and I have an arrangement, then we have settled, we have cheapened the work of the cross. God expects nothing less than the top. His standard doesn't flow with societal norms, right? And see, that's why Jesus came, because we could never be holy enough. But does that mean we stop trying? No. Every day we wake up and say, let me pick up my cross and follow after my Savior. Every day we wake up and say, today I will not fall into sin. Today I will serve him. Today I will live in righteousness. In verse 9, it talks about God's life being in us. The word specifically speaks of the seed. You remember the parables in the gospel. The seed, the gospel doesn't change. It is unaffected by the signs of times and the way that society's going. The gospel message should be the same. It doesn't change. What does change is the way the soil reacts to the gospel. You the purpose in your heart and your life is to take the life of God, the seed of God, the gospel, and let it propagate in your own heart and your life, maturing you towards Christ. This life is a proving grounds. Heaven is eternity, but what will you do in this life to be prepared for your eternity? Number two, to steal a quote shamelessly from a band that I listened to. More than a feeling. How I many of you guys are thinking of the song right now? All right. Bunch of white rednecks in the room. <laughs> greater life and greater love is more than a feeling. Verse 11, let's pick it up. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. 
Verse 13, so don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So know that real love is because Jesus gave up. Uh, you, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not, uh, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth and we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. Verse 22, and we will receive from him whatever, he, whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, love one another just as he commanded. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave, he gave us lives in us. Number two, more than a feeling. First of all, in your note sheets, love is more than a feeling. As soon as love the way you define it is attached to your emotions, you've already lost. You will feel differently tomorrow than you do today about whoever. <laughs> Love is more than a feeling. Secondly, God is greater than our feelings. Say amen to that. Aren't you thankful that God is transcended above our emotions? <laughs> That's a stark contrast to the message of the world that tells you follow your heart. If you follow your heart, you're going to go off a cliff. Right? My Bible says that the heart is evil. Finally, faith over feeling. It says here that God is greater than our feelings, and then it talks about how we feel guilty. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with confidence. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Stop feeling like you don't deserve to be in the presence of God and thank Jesus for his sacrifice that made a way for you to be in the presence of God. Stop living like the children of Israel, scared to touch the mountain and walk boldly into the presence of God. Amen? Faith over feeling. My faith believes that Jesus made a way. And no matter if I messed up or no matter if I made a mistake, I have come to him for forgiveness and I walk into the presence of God knowing that he loves me because he loves his son, Jesus. Number three. Chapter four, verse one. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit have you ever had someone come up to you and say, the Lord told me to tell you? And within a couple of seconds go, what? 
Then they walk away and go, who, what, which Lord? I'm very careful. I can't even think of one instance where I walked up and said, God said, and I start talking to people. Because as soon as I say God said, okay, I'm speaking for God now. Now, I might say, you know what? I feel like the Lord might be doing this in your life. But as soon as someone walks up to me, I'm weary, man. Hey, pastor, I got to meet with you. God told me something about your church. (laughs) Moises! I got somebody for you to meet with. (laughs) Number three, speaking the same language. Verse two says, this is how we know that if If they have the Spirit of God, if a person claiming to be the prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a a person has the Spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Friends, we have to first ask ourselves, does it pass the test? Are they speaking the gospel that Jesus is the way? It's all about Jesus. When your theology's wrong on Jesus, it don't matter what comes after that. It's all about Jesus. Verse four through six says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we listen to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. I'm gonna help you with something. On your notes it says, who do you listen to? We have poured out our heart, and I know I have, and maybe you have, poured out your heart and shared the gospel with someone, and they reject it and reject it and reject it. Friend, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. And this says that if they're not receiving it, then they're not of God. They're still under the spirit of deception, which is who? The devil. We share boldly what the Scriptures say. First John lays it out. We will be hated. Jesus said, we will be hated by the world. Because as soon as somebody accepts that God is real, A, then there is a higher moral standard. That's why they try to explain them away through evolution and other ways. Oh, there's a higher power, but I don't know what it is. Well, you better figure it out, buddy. Because there will come a time when every knee shall bow. And it's not because finally they're going to worship Jesus. It's because finally they see Jesus for who he is. And they have no other choice. Number four, just to give you the blanks. Perfect love. Verse 8 through 10, it says, talks about how perfect love is displayed for us. Verse 11 to 12 talks about how perfect love is expressed in us. 
verse 13 through 18 talks about how perfect love expels our fears. Sums up in this. Verse 19 of chapter 4, we love each other because he first loved us. Your argument doesn't hold water because you can't argue away that God loved you first. And because God loved you first, you have an obligation, a responsibility, a calling to love each other. First John lays it out through these texts that what that looks like is because when you love someone, you do something about it. John poses a question. He says in verse 20, uh, verse 20, someone says, I love God but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see? How can we walk around saying that we love God with all of our being and the person sitting right beside us we can't stand what does that mean that means we do something about it we get outside of our little bubble and we begin to make some real connections with people in the body of Christ I'm going to close with this idea because I believe that at greater life we, we don't think anything is unimportant it's all very important we, we try, we try to, to make everything that we do fall into those categories of gather, grow, go. Everything that we do falls into our mission and our calling. And, I, and I'll put it to you this way. The reason why I'm taking the time to say this is because what I've been experiencing and we've been trying really hard as a church to follow up on folks that we haven't seen in a while because we care. And, and I, I feel like there's a line, an invisible line in people's lives that come to the church that if they never cross this invisible line, what happens is, is people will come to the church, and this is, if you're new to here today, then, then take this and apply it. If you, if you feel like God's calling you to this place, if you've been here for a little while, take this and apply it. But there's this line that is in the sand that you don't really recognize until you get to it and you cross over it. And, and what it's called is family. So I've been visiting the church, visiting the church, and, and, and I'm checking things out, but I'm not crossed this line yet. I haven't said this is home. And how you say this is home is you say, okay, now I'm more than a consumer. Let me come get something from God. I'm going to contribute to the kingdom and be a part of what God is doing here. While you can come every Sunday until Jesus comes back and never meet more than one person. You can do that. We love you. We'll still let you come. But I'm telling you, you're missing out. They did a survey, and Alcoholics Anonymous, they asked this simple question, why do you go to the bar? Overwhelmingly, the answer was not to get drunk, but just to talk to people community, fellowship, loving one another. God has wired us 
to be able to depend on our brothers and sisters in Christ and to walk that out. So I'm telling you as, as just a person, if you don't call Greater Life Church home yet, find that line, cross it as fast as you can, and be a part of what God is doing. For those of you that call Greater Life Church home, I'm telling you as a pastor, what in the world are you waiting on? Let's get to work together because we want to see revival in the land. And you're a part of that answer, amen? So let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, today, help us to put love into action, to seek you and your call on what you want to do in our life at this moment. And I pray, God, that you would do great and mighty things through each and every life in here. Help us to have this urgency within us that each day we wake up and choose to be obedient to you. Choose to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because every time we do, the Bible says, your word says, Lord, that your glory is shown when we love one another. In Jesus' name. Amen.